Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's matter time. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garbage Podcast, episode 146. My name is Andrew Gardner, joined alongside by Alex Clausen. Clausen, how are we doing today? Saw this video the other day. This guy was going around offering people five bucks at the bar if they could name the fr- the three financial statements. A lot of people couldn't do it. Can I give it a try? I would hope I could get them. I'm not going to pay you the five bucks, but I'll let you. I'll let you name them. Well, you got the balance sheet. Yep. You got the income statement. Yep. And you got the statement of cash flows. Money. Let's go. I was I always. Didn't get, big, I didn't get my degree for nothing. Didn't I was my, always a big fan of the statement of cash flows. Yeah, the statement I of hated. cash flows. If you had to pick operating, investing, or oh, what's the last category? Oh, you know what <laughs> I'm talking didn't... about? They have like the three different categories of expenses. There's like operating cash flow, investing cash flow, and oh, I forget what the last one is. I didn't get it. I didn't get an accounting degree. There you go. Uh, I, was a, I don't know. I just hated the balance sheet, though. Balance sheet's not fun. Income statements, definitely, I would say, power ranking them. Low-key, I'd put income statement one, cash flow two. Yep. Balance sheet's just not fun, especially when it doesn't balance. Let me tell uh, you, you, you want, want a pain in the ass? A balance sheet that doesn't balance. <laughs> Did it, do you work with um, uh, no free ads? With Hunt Slow Blue? binder? No. No, I don't. I don't. No? No, I took a uh, I took a business like a two year business course in high school, mm-hmm. and half of the course was all like the technology that you use in business. So we learned we went through like the we actually got pretty deep into Microsoft Office, and then we spent probably a month learning slow binders. Interesting, because our professor at the our our teacher at the time thought it would be a good idea. Uh, she didn't really know slow binders very well. I don't think she had really ever used it outside of the instructional book that she was given and, and taught us out of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was, she was an older woman and thorough might not have been one of the words that you would use to describe her and in, in terms of a grader. Uh-huh. So of course we get into slow binders and none of us are very good at it. We're at, at, at oldest 17 years old. And uh, we're trying to balance these balance these books. And one kid came up with a genius plan because no one could balance the books. Like we we'd go step by step in the book, couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't balance them. Something was wrong. So this one kid started messing around, started fudging accounts, making fake accounts. <laughs> so it would be like you know ABC Corp. Yep, that's a classic. So yeah, I mean, we'd be working with ABC Corp and he'd be, and he would make, you know, let's say the books didn't balance. We were off by $700. So he would make an ABC Corp period that was plus or minus the $700 that we needed. So the books balanced. Loki, a genius. Except, he was a genius. Except I that's mean, just not how it works. But I and mean, that's also just like ridiculous fraud. Yeah. that's. But I mean, we were in high school. Can't do that. Hey, man, that, there you go. Yeah. Uh, no, that's my experience with accounting. Nice, nice. Basically, fudging books at seventeen to get an A. There you go. Hey, if you passed the class back then, and you're not doing it now, then what is you know you you, you got through it. You got through it. But anyways, in uh, the world of baseball, 
correct me if you've heard this before, Klaus, but we've we've got another week of uh, zero, count that, zero Red Sox signings. I've heard that at least once before. Yep. Yep. It's become pretty common this offseason. Uh, we had like that that two-week stretch, a couple signings, a couple trades. Not much going on. The big talking point this week, because I feel like there is always one, because there's some type of controversy. Someone said something, this and that. We had Winter Weekend this weekend. Uh, neither of us went to it. Have you ever been to Winter Weekend? I went probably 10 years ago. I met Jim Rice. Hey, nice. Nice. It was that's while a, it was still meet. at Fenway. Oh, they used to do it at Fenway? It was either... It might not have been Winter Weekend, but it was... Like I call fest. it Winter Weekend because it was during the winter. Hmm. And you would go to Fenway. Maybe it was around Christmas time. I don't know. But they had like events going on and like you could go see people get autographs. Nice. Nice. Cause it's it's at uh MGM. MGM. And then it Pretty used much. to be where? Mohegan Sun? Yeah. In Connecticut? No. Or Foxwoods? Foxwoods. It was Foxwoods. I always got the two mixed up. Yeah, I went in twenty twenty and it was a good time. But I think tensions were a little uh, a little less high strung then. And we saw this last year with obviously Heim Bloom and John Henry was actually there last year. Lots of booze, lots of booze this year as well. We had a couple of videos, uh, courtesy of our uh, our good friend Brian, uh, go go pretty viral last year with with he you know got some good good videos for us during during that uh, segment where the owners were talking, Heim was talking, they were talking about budget and this and that, and uh, yeah, people were not happy about that and. I feel like we've got a couple couple quotes here uh, that we'll, we'll read in a little bit from uh, from Winter Weekend. But overall, I feel like it was pretty similar. In fact, I feel like there was less like, oh, I can't believe they said this. Can't believe they said this because it, it just it, it's just boring. Like the Red Sox aren't doing anything. They come out, they say stuff. They don't do it. They pull back on the the full throttle comment, this and that. It's just like, I don't know what to believe anymore. It's a damage control weekend. They go in and they expect to be booed and they don't really expect a positive fan morale. Yeah. So they just got to, they got to grit through it because they can't not do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, certainly can't. I mean, Tom Warner clarifies his full throttle comment. He says, maybe that wasn't the most artful way of saying what I wanted to say. What were you trying to say? That's, that's my first question. Uh, I wanted to say, which is, or excuse me, which is that we're going to be pressing all levers to improve the team. In the end, nobody's happy with our performance the last few years. Some years we go after somebody who is about to be a free agent or was a free agent as it pertains to Trevor Story or Raphael Devers. And I will give, I will say that he makes a good point. One good point. Not good enough, but. The Red Sox have gone out, and obviously going to, into 2022, I feel like people were pretty happy. The team was coming off a ALCS appearance, two wins. I mean, they were leading the ALCS 2-1. to one. They were winning Game 4 against the Astros. They were you know, two games away from going to the World Series against the Braves, and that would have been a great matchup. And then they go out, and you know they signed Trevor Story. Obviously, they didn't bring back Schwarber, but the majority of the team... Uh, you know, I guess Erod leaves too, but the majority of the team, I feel like people are looking at the offense and they're like, 
this is going to be great. And they do spend the money there. And then, you know, thank goodness they locked up, uh, locked up, not locked, not uh, locked him up like in jail. That wouldn't be good. But uh, locked up Rafael Devers last offseason. I will say that they they have spent money on those departments, but Trevor Story has not panned out, and the big the big problem has been the pitching, and there's just not been enough money allocated to that. And I think fans realize that. And then when you come out and you say full throttle, and you want to what was his wording here? Uh, pressing all the levers, and I can assure you, Clawson, that not all levers have been pressed, pulled. Zoinked, yoinked. There has been no no action on the levers this offseason. Those levers have stayed pretty dry, pretty cold. And I it, it's a weird thing to say because in hindsight, you would, yeah, you would want there to be some development of, you know, a star uh, star pitcher or a star player in triple A or high double A, maybe that you could kind of point to and say, all right, this guy's gonna come up this year and make an impact. And there really isn't one of those guys. We're frankly like we're two years away from that. I don't like so, in terms of just pitchers in terms of anyone. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we love the Woo Sox, but there isn't anyone in Worcester this year where you can say that you have your eye on them to be an impactful player. Like all of those guys are down in double a Portland or down in Greenville or, you know, single a, like there's, you can press the levers all you want, but at the same time, you do got to give these guys time. And you can't force them up to the majors because it ruins their development. You can't. I want to read something because the other day I was I was thinking about there's so much talk about the prospects, this and that. The team's going to be good in a few years. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to read what my thoughts are on the 2026 lineup with guys that are in the organization. Obviously, I'm sure you know this is going to move around. Guys can get traded, but looking at this lineup and I. It, like I know it's in two years and I'm not trying to like justify it, but like I was making this lineup up and it doesn't include Nick York. It does not include Sedan. It does not include uh blaze Jordan. Like you got plenty of prospects there. You can move along and, you know, hopefully get some pieces for. So, uh, again, I had Roman Anthony leading off in right field, Marcelo Meyer batting second, playing shortstop, Rafael Devers hitting third, playing third, Tristan Casas hitting fourth, playing first base, hitting fifth. Trevor Story, DHing. Uh, I was just kind of putting in positions as placeholder shield here. Uh, six, Kyle Teal at catcher. Seventh, Masataka Yoshida in left. Eighth, Vaughn Grissom at second base. And the nine hole hitter, Jaron Duran in center field. I mean, that is an absolutely stacked lineup. Absolutely stacked lineup. There are things to look forward to. However, again, it just all comes back to the pitching. And again, it's a loaded. My my last point, my last point is that you talk about like just impact guys coming up here and like hopefully all these guys will come come up and make an impact. But there are no pitchers in the farm system who are going to come up and make an impact right now. No one. The Sox have never been known for developing pitching, though. No, I realize that. But at the same time, they've been aggressive at, at points and going out and getting people. I mean, you remember the 2015 team where... They trot out Clay Buckles on opening day. And they had the whole mantra. It was like the, the no ace rotation. It was like Buckles, Porcello, uh, Joe Kelly was in there. I believe was that? Yeah, Wade Miley was on that team. And uh, I think Justin Masterson was the fifth guy. If I'm remembering correctly. That is a name. You're right. No aces. 
no, certainly no aces. And uh, it didn't work out. They were terrible. They were certainly terrible. But the next offseason, you go out and you get David Price. And then the following offseason, you go out and you get Chris Sale. And then you get JD. You know, you build the team. But, you know, then you have the three-headed man. You know, Eduardo Rodriguez starts to blossom into a good pitcher. And then you got, you know, a, a solid. I know you don't like him. Thumbs down. Uh, you, you've got a solid, you know, top four there for uh for that 20 you know 17 18 season so again i'm not saying that going out and signing like i would be very excited very excited if they go out and get jordan montgomery and we'll talk about that in a minute i don't think it's off the table but they just you just need someone because you're right they, they've never had a good history of developing pitchers they really i mean they just haven't yeah i mean look at uh i mean henry owens busted jay groom busted those are Renato. the two kind of biggest ones that I can think of. Yeah. Anthony Renato was another yep. big one. Um, Michael Kopech. Yeah, he's been okay. Um, he, Kopech? Kopech? Yeah, he's he's, he's been awful. Sucks. I thought he had a couple okay years. At least, like, is still in the bigs, which is... Yeah, he was 5-12 and 12 with a 543 ERA. All right, he wasn't great. The last... 2021 and 2022, though, he was solid. He had a 350 and uh, 354 ERA, respectively, those two years. Caper nine. I mean, he was supposed to be excellent. I feel like when the Red Sox traded him, he was he was not much, like not really on my radar. And then he, I believe he had Tommy John. He had some, there was something, some mental. Yeah, he had, he kind of had a break there. Yeah, something was going on. He had something going on. But anyways, yeah, I mean. I actually, um, I'm gonna pull something up in a minute because I was I was gonna like bring something up last episode, but again, not all these prospects work out, and there's just been a lot of sitting around, sitting around. Like the last two years, I've kind of put this into terms. Like these teams have just felt very temporary, and I feel like we're just kind of spinning the wheel here, either waiting for the season to start with the roster we already have, and being like, all right, like you know, we're you know, uh, however bad or you know well-constructed the team may be like, I'm going to ride or die with them for the year. So, you know, if, if we get to that point, great. Like I want to get in talking to about that, but I just feel like we're just like in a rut right now in terms of, you know, as people who make content for the Red Sox, it's like, well, what do you want me to talk about? Talk about 2026. It's going to be sick. Stick around. But otherwise, I don't know. I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. I feel like Breslow and Cora, I get the sense that they're all in and they really want to win. But again, it's just that, I mean, you know, only so much water can flow down the stream if you build a huge dam and that huge dam is the ownership group. And that water signifies how much money they allow out. So, I mean, again, for, you know, credit words do, Breslow has gone out with the money that he has and the pieces that he has, and he's turned around some good trades. I think he's improved the team via those trades and listening to Cora throughout winter weekend, you can really tell the guy wants to win. He's not here to be a stopgap. The guy's here to win a world series. And uh, I think the player, I, he seems to resonate with the players very well, but again, managers can only manage what they have. And if he doesn't have much, then there isn't much he could do. Yeah. I I mean, you nailed that there. He's only got so much and I believe it was Andrew Bailey who said something about the team, right? Or like he's, I mean, 
I'll preface this after I say the quote here, or like paraphrase it. He he was just saying that he he's happy or you know content with the the current rotation that the Red Sox have. I mean, again, you're not going to come in as the the new pitching coach and be like, ah, no, nah, these guys suck. Like, they got to get someone else in here. Like, obviously, you're not going to say that, but at the same time, there just need to be more arms. And I, I'm just looking at like right now the top prospects, Boston Red Sox, 2017. And you run down this list. Top two guys: Andrew Benintendi, Rafael Devers. They've uh, they have lived up to the hype. Maybe not Benintendi fully, but then you got Jay Groom. He's the first pitcher on this list. He's been awful. Uh, Sam Travis, the number four prospect for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, that was uh, Steve made a bet. If he made an All Star game, his buddy would buy him a jersey. Right? That is correct. That is correct. He played uh, 111 games in his MLB career. Hasn't played since uh, 2019. Didn't wear batting gloves either. Nope. Nope. He was uh he's pretty cool. He's pretty That's cool. That's hardcore. Hardcore. Uh Bobby Dahlbeck was number five. And then you run down this list, like the other pitching prospects on this list are Roniel Rodas at number six. I've never heard of him. Uh nope. Travis Lakin's senior. Nope. I thought he pitched a few games for the Red Sox at some point. He pitched sixteen in twenty nineteen. Uh pitched a little bit for Baltimore. Uh, continuing down, you've got Brian Johnson at number 12. He hasn't pitched in the league since 2019. Mike Schwarren, didn't he? He was on the team in 20, 2019. He pitched 14 games. Uh, yeah, Jake Cozart, Chandler Shepard, Kyle Martin, Ben Taylor, Sean Anderson, Gerson Bautista, Steven Nogusek, Jalen Beeks, he's been the only good one. Beekmeister, Stan Kiewitz, Darwin's and Hernandez, Trey Ball, Jonathan Diaz, and Robbie Scott. So there you go. Even when the Red Sox do have semi-top prospecting prospects, as you can see, they often don't pan out. And that's not a shot at any of the guys in the Red Sox farm system. I would love for you all to pan out as great pitchers, but uh, the Red Sox, they just need someone more proven. That's just kind of what, what I'm getting at. I'll give, uh, I'll, I'll give Andrew Bailey some slack here because I what he did in in San Francisco. I mean, he turned Logan Webb into a a Cy Young caliber pitcher, and I think that he has a lot of talent in Boston. I mean, Bayo has the ceiling is the roof for that guy. To quote Michael Jordan, I think he can be a legitimate ace. And then Whitlock, Winkowski, Hauk, all of those guys, I think, really can benefit from going with Bailey and kind of breaking down their role. And finding a substantial role, and then same thing with Pavetta. So I think if, if anyone's going to get the most out of those guys, it's going to be Andrew Bailey. And you kind of got to figure these guys have been hanging around for a little bit. So if they're going to break out, it's it's almost now or never. When you talk about them hanging out and this and that, I feel like more than ever, and maybe it's just kind of like this age of social media that we're in. This this group of like Red Sox prospects. They just seem like sick to hang out with. Like they're they just tight. seem like sweet guys. They're tight. They're awesome. They seem great. Like uh, uh, they had what was it rookie camp or yeah at Fenway uh, this week. They were like doing tours. I think they were, uh, you know, they went to a Celtics game and a bunch of guys were posting pictures on the orange line. I'm like, damn, like <laughs> these guys are gonna light it up already. If you're taking the damn orange line to the garden for the game, I want you on the socks right now. That's just like I respect the hell out. That's of that. just blue collar. That's Boston, man. Hey, none of this, none of this Uber X shit. Nah. None of this Uber black. No Uber blacks to the game. Nope. 
We're taking the fucking orange line. Damn right. Damn right. I was pumped to see that. I'm just shocked they didn't get stopped somewhere. No trains caught on fire. Yeah, that were that really would have been perfect. Welcome to Boston. The orange line shuts down and sets on fire on your way. I was uh headed to or I was working from home like two weeks ago. I was gonna go into the office and I was like, ah, I'll just work from home today. And uh I take like the red line to work and there was something happened. I forget. Oh, there's like a fire at downtown crossing or something. Just like every day with the 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 tea. It's in uh it's in horrendous shape. But that's that's a that's a whole podcast episode for another day. What's your favorite uh tea stop, actually? Tea stop? Yeah. Fenway. Any any line. Fenway. Yeah. It's a good one. The I mean, there's a better uh I mean it's better if you're taking the commuter rail in, the one that drops you off at Lansdowne. Yeah. That's honestly perfect. I mean, Kenmore is right there too. Yeah, Kenmore. It's weird. Like, it, it, I guess it makes sense. They don't have one just for Fenway, but it, you kind of get dropped on either side. I yeah. don't know. Me, uh... Yeah, Kenmore's down like the first base line. Well, they both kind of are. Or yeah. third base. I avoid the red line at almost all costs. Whoa, it's my home line. It's uh quite the line. Always an adventure. I got on uh, the train the other day after work and someone just pissed in like the seat right when I was getting on. I was like, sweet. Yeah, that's the I'm red line move for you. To the other side of the train. That's the red line for you. Yep. I, I'll, I'll always remember uh, the, the train ride we took after our little Fenway experience with Section 10. Mm-hmm. The one in the morning after. That was yeah. like a fever dream. What were we on? Was that the orange line or the green? It was line? the orange line. Yeah, it was the orange line. And it was like one of the orange line trains, not the not the newer, nicer ones, but the one that hadn't been updated since 1970. Yeah. So with all like the wood paneling and stuff. Yeah. And it was seven in the morning, and it was me, you, and Steve. Gross, unshowered. That was disgusting. Terrible. They or- actually, in my lifetime, I've only seen one of the new trains on the red line. They like still run the exist. one. What? I don't think they exist. I, I think it was just like a fever dream I had. They exclusively run the the old wood panel ones from like the early eighties. And it's like, what's what's the point? I, I don't know. There is no point. At some points, it's like cheaper to take an Uber. That's what I'm saying. That's why I respect the hell out of these guys for getting on the mass, you know, Department of Transportation public transit orange line and going they're to real. the garden. I'm they're real. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Anyways, Sam Kennedy, one other final quote here. Oh, there's two more. Uh, oh, you're right. Tom uh, Warner had another had another gem. You he couldn't you, get off the mic fast enough. Yeah, th- this one was bad. This one was terrible. Uh, and I think I talked- the Sam Kennedy one I think is worse. No, but this one's just blatant. I think the Tom this I think the second Tom Warner one is the worst one. Read them both. Did he say more concerned with? Or are you just saying that because that's how you? This feel? I pulled off a I pulled off a website. I think it was the Globe. Well, they and, well I I know the context of this. They it, it, this was again co- going back to Winter Weekend. They were talking about you know the ticket prices at Fenway are exorbitant, like super high, super high. And so they're saying you know how can you justify that with a not great product? Tom Warren responded, uh, "They're selling the Fenway experience." 
the Fenway experience seats face out towards the wrong way of the field. You sit in wooden seats, you go into the bathrooms, which are a million years old. Uh, you can they get rid of the troughs three. too. That was when Fenway went downhill. Yep. You got about three different food options. You can either get hot dogs, chicken tenders. Uh, that's actually basically about it. Um, is that really the Fenway park experience that you're, you're looking to pay a premium for Clawson? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's weird. Like you, there is a certain amount of, uh, classicness to it tradition mm-hmm. i suppose like you know we go to fenway and it was pretty much the same as when our grandparents went to fenway get pretty much the same thing drink relatively the same stuff and sit in pretty much the same seats yeah i so i mean there is there's plenty yeah, of charm look, to it here's the thing i'm not trying to trash fenway like it's by far my favorite stadium i love going to games there but at the same time the fenway experience is it, it's more so a museum i mean the you know, it's a sweet place to watch the game, but I mean, you go to other stadiums that are a lot newer, like there are a lot more amenities than, than Fenway park like that. You can't argue with that. Like I even, you know, this past summer was at, was at Dodger stadium and Dodger stadium is one of the older stadiums in the, in the league. And just, I kind of go back to the food offerings and like, there was just a lot more uh, variety there. I'll give them this Fenway does offer a, the best baseball experience. Like you go and you get baseball food and you get baseball drink and you get a baseball experience where I think you go to some of these newer stadiums, like, you know, Texas and you get a, you know, is Texas the one that has like the mall outside pretty much? Like Um, all of these new stadiums are going to have, it's like Patriot place. Yeah. Where there's an experience. There's a mall outside. There's restaurants. There's, there's a ton of stuff to go draw you away from baseball and the stadium is just there as kind of, I suppose the centerpiece. Right. And it can oftentimes get looked past. Like I go to, I go to Patriot place all the time. I don't go for the stadium. Right. No, I didn't even see the stadium sometimes. That makes sense. I mean, I guess my frustration with this quote is, is again, it's just, it's expensive to go. And the experience in itself, I can understand if you're, again, I said this last week and I'm not going to go into this again, but if you're traveling from far ways away and this is your one time to see Fenway Park, like, yeah, obviously you're going to pay to to see it, this and that. But again, like, I, I think when he mentions Fenway's, Fenway experiences, I also think that there, are, you know, maybe people like a lot of people I know, just you just go with your friends, you get the student nines and you go and this and that. So, you know, it, it's just. I don't know. I'm I'm tired of just like overanalyzing everything that's said. I'm like, just put a good team on the field and we can talk about them. Like, oh, we haven't talked about players this whole offseason. And that's kind of my issue is like the Fenway experience should be going to watch baseball, right? Mm-hmm. You put on a baseball team and that is your experience. That's the that's the marquee of it. Not, you know, buying concessions and buying a t shirt and yeah. buying a, a hot dog and like buying a beer and like that's not the experience the experience is watching baseball everything else is there just just because right and people have to eat and drink and you know buy stuff anyway but the experience you can sell 90 percent of an experience with a good product on the field which maybe it's be- maybe it's because i'm a diehard baseball guy but i'd watch good baseball whether it's in my backyard or on the moon and if the game sucks, then the experience sucks. If the game is great, it doesn't matter where it is. That's a, I that's the that's beauty a, of it. That's a great take. It's a great take. I mean, yeah, like uh, 
I don't know. Uh, we've got we've got one other quote here from uh, from Sam Kennedy. He said, "If you think for one second that we are not passionate, committed, dedicated, and dedicated to the Boston Red Sox, you're wrong. You're a liar, and I'll correct you on it because it's total BS." Thoughts? I hate this one. This one like rubs me the. This one really rubs me the wrong way because he's calling the fans liars. So the people that put money in your pockets and the people who are fans of your own team, it, I mean, you're turning on the fans, right? You're calling them liars. You're calling them undedicated. And it's it's exactly the opposite. The fans are holding you accountable and you just don't want to accept it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I got from it too. The only thing here, if, Tom Warner or John Henry said this, I would be much more upset about it. But Sam Kennedy doesn't own this team. He's the president of the Red Sox. And, you know, he's from Massachusetts. He's won rings with the team. Uh, Again, I think this just trickles all down from ownership. And you got to pin it where it is, which is at the top. And, you know, I get get that he's, you know, kind of coming at fans here. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit frustration where he's like, I can only do so much. But the same time, like, I mean, he, he uses we. He uses we. Like, we aren't passionate. We aren't committed. I don't know. It's just frustrating. Put a, put a good damn team on the field, and we don't have to talk about this anymore. That's that's basically all I got about this. That's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, all these issues can be solved by just putting a good team out. And I, I can respect his, his fire on it, and maybe we're missing something. Maybe this team is going to be much better than we expect. But... I think people just have this expectation that the Boston Red Sox, the expectation every year is to win 95 games, not totally. 85 games. They've got to, you've got to compete for a wild card this year. They've got to, I mean, been last place for three out of the last four years. I mean, unacceptable. But unacceptable. I think the fact that we're, our, our bar now is making the wild card. Totally. Is embarrassing, right? I agree. I mean, I, 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 I can't. The, bar, this the bar should be winning the division, right? I know. I would love for that to be the case, but I just don't think that's going to happen. It's it's the standard, though, and I think that they've fallen from that standard. Totally, totally. I mean, again, this is a. It's a. The AL East is loaded right now, but that doesn't make any excuse that you can't. No, go you can't go full. You got to go full throttle. But how many throttle. games did the Orioles win? Like 103 or something. Right. If you're going up against a 103 win team, then you know what? If you come in second in division, that's fine. But 101. 101. You win 101 games, like fine. You're not going to win the division that year. But if you put up 95, 93, you still get a wild card. You're still in it. You're still a great team. Here's my thing is like, the Rays got off to a scorching hot start last year. They cooled down. I mean, they still won ninety nine games, but again, I, I I do I do think this team could you know get second place in this division. But we'll talk Absolutely. about that uh, more as this offseason drags along. That's about it on the Red Sox, though. Uh, not too much going on. Nope. However, the big uh, big news in the baseball world yesterday was the Hall of Fame announcement. We got a class of. Three this year, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, and Todd Helton. Congratulations. I think this is a great class. 
I do feel terrible for Billy Wagner. He misses the cut by five votes. Uh, we were talking last week about who who we thought would get in. We were, I think, both, if I remember, like pretty set that those three guys were going to get in. And I know we were both saying like it's going to be borderline for Wagner. Sheffield, like pre-results, he was seventy four percent. He didn't even sniff it. He finished at sixty three point nine percent. He but, shouldn't uh, have made it. Shouldn't have. No, you don't think so. No, I would have given him the vote. But I, I, uh, I was listening to our good friends Felger and Maz. I sent you the clip. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listened to it. I, I saw what you texted. I didn't. I didn't listen to it. But yeah. <laughs> so their thing was that they really didn't like the Hall of Fame, and it was a lot of it was Maz defending his picks of just Manny and just A Rod, and his rationale I think was better than. I expected because his rationale was who were the best players in the league, who are the best hitters, who are the best players, and who are the marquee guys that are in this class. And he's like, he kind of made the point. He's like, they're going to have to show their highlight reels. And he's like, what are they going to show for Todd Helton? What's his career highlight? Adrian Beltre, what's his career defining moment? Joe Maurer, what's his career defining moment? Like, you can name six career defining moments. Out of Manny and A-Rod, right? Yeah. So his thing was the star factor. And his thing is also small hall to say, you know, it's not a hall of very good or even very, very good. It's the best of the best. So he actually didn't make a bad case. Um, And same with Wagner. He's like, he's a reliever. Like if you went up to anyone on the street and was like, hey, who's Billy Wagner? They'd be like, who the hell are you talking about? But if you said, hey, who's Manny Ramirez? They'd be like, oh, I love Manny. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think he's got a whole uh, a good point there. The thing is, is that the Baseball Hall of Fame is not packed with just the best guys. There's no Barry Bonds. There's no Kurt Schilling. There's no Roger Clemens. There is no Pete Rose. There is no, uh, what's the guy's name from like 100 years ago on the White Sox? Shoeless Joe Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, these guys all mixed up in scandals. Aaron and Manny are never going to get in because of the steroids. No player ever linked to steroids. In fact, I'm really grateful that Ortiz got in the first year. He was in there by like two or 3%. Yeah. But again, a guy like Gary Sheffield linked to steroids, never tested positive linked to steroids. He had over 500 uh, home runs in his career. He doesn't, he doesn't even get within 10%. So again, I do agree with him that like, you want the best of the best guys like Manny and A-Rod? Like, if I had a ballot, I would have absolutely... We we gave our picks at the beginning mm. of the season. Like, I would vote for Manny and A-Rod. I would have voted for Bonds and Clemens and Schilling. And, no doubt. You know, Sheffield and obviously Ortiz and guys like that. But here's the thing is that that's just not the case. And if you're just going to vote for, like, those one or two guys, and if, you know, we've got other guys coming up next year, I'm not... Or uh, two years from now... Like, uh, I'm just, this guy I don't think is a Hall of Famer, but a guy like Ryan Braun, where I think, you know, like, like again, he's linked to steroids. He's never going to get in. He's never going to get no. in. He but, wasn't good enough either. No, I, I don't, I don't even really know why I brought him up, but, um, like again, there are, there are just guys like, again, Beltre had over 3000 career hits. You, you run down the numbers like, yeah, Adrian Beltre. I couldn't think of like, you know, all these big time plays. He had this and that. But when you run down the numbers, like he had 
Is he top 15 all time in hits? He's got over mm. almost 500 home runs, a um, couple gold gloves, all-star appearances. Like there are many players worse than him in the hall of fame. So that's absolutely kind of, I, I, I understand where he's coming from. It's not like he's just like, well, he's got, you know, but at the same time, like it, it's a, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. It's not yeah, just I mean, Red Sox and Yankees. No, I think I think these guys really benefited from a weak class. Like Beltre got ninety five percent of the vote, and I'm looking at reference right now, and there's guys like Pedro didn't get ninety five percent of the vote. What? What did Pedro get? Ninety one. That's absurd. John Smoltz at eighty three. Eighty three. Uh, so Chipper Jones had a had a great. He was ninety seven point two. Bagwell was 82. Um, Vlad Guerrero, 93. Like, there's plenty of guys on here who you could argue were way better than Beltre that did not get as many votes as Beltre did. I don't even and I think, think, I mean, the, you can't knock that. Like, percentages is percentages. If you get in, you get in. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, Maurer, I, I really felt had a fair percentage, 76. Like, he's a Hall of Famer, um, but I don't think he's he's slam dunk. Same with Helton, like, not touching 80% on a guy like Todd Helton, that's fine. Todd Helton's definitely a Hall of Famer. I'm happy that a guy who wasn't, you know, the marquee, the face of the majors, still was able to make the Hall of Fame and still got the respect he deserved for being an incredible hitter. But at the same time, like, you know, he wasn't blowing anyone away. So that's why he didn't get over 80% of the vote. I mean, I was, geez. Uh, I was watching MLB Network last night, and they were talking a little bit more about both of these guys. And when you hear and see, like, clips of when they were playing this and that, I mean, Helton, and I think they were talking about one from 2000 or 1999 to 2000. Yeah, 2007. He hit 334 over those uh was that eight years, nine years? I can't count. Uh he had an OPS over a thousand. Like again, these guys had some incredible runs. And I mean, that was even a little like before our time, like watching baseball. And the the end of that, we were six years old. So yeah, like I think all these guys, Joe Maurer had, you know, was one of the best catchers. He's like a minimum of nine hundred games caught. I think I saw he's like third all time in OPS. Like he had a great career, and this is going to open the door to maybe some other catchers getting in in the like in the future. Who you know, if if you stack up his numbers to someone else, like maybe they're not as crazy impressive. But you know, Buster Posey will probably get in. Yadier Molina will probably get in. Um, I'm happy with this class. Yeah, I mean, I again, like, I really just think it goes to show how weak this class was. I don't think um, it was like that, I'm looking at. I really don't think it was that weak. I think I'm, it was deep. So I'm looking. I mean. It it really wasn't very deep. Like the only guys I probably would have voted for: Beltre, Helton, Mauer, um, Jones. Yeah, I would have given him a. Yeah, I would have thrown Andrew Jones one. Uh, a Rod, Manny. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's you know you can make a case that there's eight guys on this ballot you could fill out, but I'm looking at other catchers like Mauer was seventy six one, Hudge was seventy six flat, mm-hmm. and Hudge had a way better career. Higher war, more hits, more homers, more RBIs. Uh, Maurer had him in batting average and on-base percentage by a little bit. But 
I don't know. I guess it, it, you can go as deep as you want. Like, yes, these guys are hall of famers and I guess it is difficult to look at a, look at the past because it's not a flat, it's not a flat thing every year. You have to, you have to figure like when Pudge got in his bat, you know, he made it in with Bagwell and Reigns, but he also had Trevor Hoffman, Vlad Guerrero, Pedro, Clemens, Bonds, Mussina, and Schilling on the back. We're all in yeah. that 10. So, th- I mean, there's a lot of votes. Right. Right. And a lot of the old heads want to vote for three guys. Right. Because the they believe the in a small hall. I mean, I saw this one guy who said he, I mean, th- this I think was just ridiculous because you're making up your own rules. In fact, not I think. This is ridiculous. He said he votes for the best overall hitter on the ballot, the best overall pitcher, and then picks a guy who he likes defensively. I think that's fair. I don't think that's fair at all. What are you, you telling me that if like Ken Griffey, and Chipper Jones were on the ballot at the same time, you're only voting for one of them? I don't think that that's a bad way to do it. I think it's a horrible way to do it. Because you have you to figure, be- like, who is the Hall of Fame? The best pitchers, the best hitters, and the best defenders, right? Yeah, but I, I again, you could have a ballot where a, a bunch of these guys are on there. I don't think you can just constitute, like, you, he's just making up his own rules. They're going to get in. You know what I mean? Like, if you had, like, a Ken Griffey Jr. and a... um. Well, then you shouldn't vote if if you're a chipper job. I, yeah, for- I mean, I, look, like if I have votes, if I ever get votes, like I'm, I'm using my votes. Right. I'm not going to be, you know, stingy with them. But at the same time, like there is a certain beauty in the randomness of the ballot. There's guys that are going to vote for, you know, Bobby Abreu. I hate that I keep singling him out, but he's not a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. And there's some guy who voted for Bartolo. Six. Six people, I think. Exactly. So there's a certain rhyme and reason to everyone. And I think that's what yeah. makes the hall beautiful. It makes it broken, but I think it makes it beautiful as well. It's definitely interesting. And I mean, only two guys on the ballot this year didn't get votes. Uh, Jose Reyes and James Shields. But Or James uh, Shields. I know. I do feel bad. I feel like he was by far like the weakest player. <laughs> I don't know why he made the ballot. Uh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, like, uh, again, there are... and. Uh, I think it's a good class. I think next year, I think Wagner will get in next year. Um, and then we'll talk about first-year candidates here for for next year. We talked a little bit about it last week, but Ichiro and CC are the two guys who are headlining that class. Um, I would certainly expect them to get in. Uh, I would also, I think Andrew Jones could have another big, big jump next year. Like he's at 61.6%. He's got uh, three more years on the ballot. I think he'll get in. I think Beltron, maybe even a candidate to get uh, get in next year. He had a big jump this year. He jumped uh, like 14%. He's up to 57.1 now. So, again, there are some names on there. And then you've got interesting names like a Dustin Pedroia, like an Ian Kinsler, like a – I even saw someone I, – I have to look more into his stats, but someone talking about – how good of a career career. I don't think he's a hall of famer. In fact, I, I don't know, but I'd have to look at his numbers. They're comparing Russell Martin to Joe Mauer. Nope. And they, again, on the surface, I don't think I probably, I got to pull up his numbers here. Wouldn't vote for Russell Martin. I definitely wouldn't, <laughs> but catcher is weird. I know it's, it's such a shallow position. It's bizarre, but one other, one, one other guy, uh, I think I said Hanley. Another guy who I think, if you really dive into his numbers, had a better career than you're expecting is Brian McCann. Again, catcher. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He made 
seven all-star teams and I've never been one to love an all-star team as as like the judgment uh six-time silver slugger defensively he wasn't like a, sh- a shining star back there but he had almost 300 home runs he had uh you know over 1500 hits so again I'm talking about guys who like Ian Kinsler too I can't remember if I just said his name guys who might get the 5% Felix Hernandez is another guy and just stay on there uh for the next year I think it's going to be an interesting class I think it'll be Wagner, I think it'll be CC, and I think it'll be Ichiro, and then I think there'll be a bunch of guys who stay on and a bunch of guys who are uh, rising, too. Um, I'll make a point about Russell Martin before I give you my vote. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Martin and Joe Maurer are not in the same uh, area code. I don't know what this guy was talking about then. Yeah, I mean, his war is 17 points behind Maurer's. Fewer games about 1,300 fewer plate appearances, about 600 less hits, more home runs, mm-hmm. uh, 150 fewer RBIs. His batting average is 60 points lower. Him and Maurer are not even close. I don't even think he gets 5%. One-time silver Russell slugger, Martin. one-time gold glove, yeah, four-time all-star. I don't think he will. Again, we're talking about the Hall, hall of Fame here. but No. Uh it, not a it is interesting when you talk about catchers. Again, I think Brian McCann, I think he's going to get the 5% to stay on the ballot next year. I bet that's he just, does. That's just my guess. That is just my guess. Um, I don't know if I would vote for him, but I think he will get the 5%. I'm going to say my vote for 2025. Not my vote, but my prediction for 25. Ichiro makes it mm-hmm. and Wagner makes it and that's it. No CC. I bet he sits at like 70. Interesting. I think, I mean, they, I'm looking back, like they like small halls. Yeah. The only, so, I mean, this year, like Beltre, Helton, Maurer, weak, weak ballot. Uh, I'm surprised they went for that many. Last year was just Scott Rowland, mm-hmm. who made it by a point and a half. And then Poppy in 22 was it. Yep. No one in 21. Larry Walker and Derek Jeter in 22. 2019 was. Yep. Stacked. You had Mo, Pedro, Roy Halliday, and Mike Messina. That was a and sick then, class. And then before that, like you're getting into Chipper Jones, Vlad. Pedro was 2019. Yeah. Tomei and Hoffman, which is another stacked class. 2017, you only had two guys. No, nah, sorry, three guys. Good Pudge. Pedro was what year? They like don't. 20. The only times the the Hall really votes three guys in are if it's a really weak class, which I don't think next year's is. Or if you have, you know, your your lowest uh, vote getter that still makes it in is like a Craig Biggio or, you know, a Trevor Hoffman. Pedro was uh, 2015 with Randy Johnson and John Smoltz. That's a stacked class. Oh, Edgar Martinez. Was, yeah, uh, no, you're 2019. good. Uh, that's, um, yeah. That was a stacked class. I wouldn't be. I th- I think CC will make it, but I wouldn't be shocked if he if people are like, oh, hold him off for a year. I um, I, I bet he gets held off. I'd still vote for him. Yeah. Um. I would too. My uh my official ten votes. If I had ten votes, I wrote this down earlier today. Uh, Billy Wagner, Ichiro, CC, Andrew Jones, Carlos Beltran, Manny, A Rod, K Rod. I think. I, I talked about him earlier this year. I would have voted for him too. I think if you're voting for Wagner, also voting for K-Rod, one of the best closers of all time. And then my final two votes, 
I got to give one to Dustin Pedroia. I think he's going to get the 5% to at least stay on. And then my last vote, if I had a whole year to decide, I would try to decide between Brian McCann and uh, Tory Hunter. You would give either of them a vote? I would, I would possibly. I think there are other guys on this list too who like maybe Chase Utley, maybe Andrew or uh, Andy Pettit. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I'm looking at my, all right. My ballot would be Billy Wagner, yep. Andrew Jones, Beltron, mm-hmm. A-Rod, Manny. So that's my first five. Yep. Ichiro, six, mm-hmm. CC, seven. And then I'm throwing PD a bone because I'm a Sox guy and I can do that. <laughs> yep. So what's that? Eight. That's eight. And then I have to because he's not going to make the ballot. But I'd give Claydro a vote for I'd nine. Be, is is he like maybe going to be on there next year? Uh, baseball Reference has him as eligible. Yeah, he would. He would be eligible. So I, mean, I don't know. He's maybe Clay Buckles will get on there. He's certainly not no. a Hall of Famer, but uh, he won't make it. We'll see. We'll see. I think it'll be very interesting. Again, I think there are a lot of guys who uh, will will flutter around that five percent. Um, and the only other uh, two guys in this first year class who uh, held on to stay on the ballot next year who didn't get in were uh, Chase Utley. He finished at twenty eight percent, and David Wright six point two percent, just enough to stay on. Um, so yeah, there is your Hall of Fame breakdown. Uh, always go check out Cooperstown, and uh, if you haven't. Last thing here, uh, I guess Sox News should touch on this. James Paxton signs a one-year deal with the Dodgers. Your initial thoughts? Yeah, one more, uh, one one fewer guy that the Sox can sign. Seems like everyone is uh, going to the Dodgers. Paxton included. I don't, I don't really know where he's going to fit in that rotation. Uh, makes me wonder if they're bringing back Clayton Kershaw. He hasn't announced a retirement yet, but he also hasn't announced he's signing anywhere yet so i really don't know where the dodgers stand with kershaw but you'd think if he doesn't come back then paxton fills his role yeah I and mean, they got a pretty stacked team right now you got glass now yamamoto obviously otani won't be pitching uh next year but you've got him in the future they also have uh bueller who i know was hurt ryan yarborough now you got paxton so pretty stacked team uh and, i, and I some, love walker bueller the tight pants not because of the tight pants. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Strider's giving him a run for his money for tightest pants. Yeah. Those but are, I love Walker Bueller. Very tight. Probably my favorite pitcher to watch. I'm Disgusting stuff. He He's, I don't, I feel like I haven't watched a ton of him pitch, but he's, uh, he's always He lit fun. it up in 2020 was his coming out party. Yeah, he had a great year. Um, great year that year. Uh, anyways. No questions for Matt. What the hell, Matt? Matt? My, my, Matt might be on a little bit of a winter break. We haven't gotten questions from Matt in uh, Is Matt alive? A little bit. I hope so. I hope so. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll close out the show here because not really uh much more. You got a uh, closing out than I thought. Yeah, Walker Bueller trade for him. Absolutely disgusting. That'd be sick. Trying to find his like postseason pitching. Shouldn't be very hard. I don't. I mean, the Dodgers. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> well he didn't really do much in 2020. 
pitched eight games. Well, I guess that's not very many. It was also only a 60-game season. Yeah, 2021, he was disgusting. Under a two-and-a-half ERA. What did he finish? Four. Like second or third in Cy Young voting? Fourth. Who the hell was in the Cy Young voting? That would have been... Corbin Burns. Is that the year he won? Yeah, Burns, Wheeler, Scherzer, and then Bueller. Adam Wainwright came in seventh. Damn, Wainwright fell off a cliff last year. That was the year DeGrom pitched like 90 innings. (laughs) Yeah, it was like... And had a 108 ERA. Still ended up in eighth. (laughs) Or ninth, sorry. Yeah, just didn't have the volume. Gross. Gross. Am I closing Uh, out the ninth? Closing out the ninth, study your financial statements. Hell yeah. So that you can potentially win some money at the bar. Hell yeah. I'd take five bucks for that. Uh, my closing out the ninth thought, you had this written down in miscellaneous, and I did think it was hilarious, and I can't stand this guy. Uh, Anthony Rendon says that oh the baseball God. season is too long. Says the guy who hasn't even played a combined 162 games the last four seasons. Talk about a guy who got the bag and just left. That is the definition of Anthony Rendon. The bigger thing here is uh, Jonathan Papelbon on Twitter has just become the guy who like calls guys out, and I love it. I love it. I mean, that was his personality as a player. Uh, you know, he gets into a, a little scrimmage with uh, with Bryce Harper when he was with the Nats. He was always a hothead. But uh, perhaps a must follow on Twitter if you've got uh, that application. I think he's uh, he always he refers to Jaron Duran as a kimono dragon. That's a, that's a. Sick. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, I don't know how how long you've been following Pap for, but when Duran was ripping it up, he would always like post. It would be like you know he's like stealing a base, and it would be like one picture is like Duran stealing the base, and the next picture is a kimono dragon. No, I don't think I saw that. Oh, they were great. Let me that's see if I can find one quick because they really were just gold. I don't think I've ever heard anyone. Call uh call Jaron Duran that, but uh, yeah. I mean, you can't complain about your job if you're getting paid. How much you getting this year? Thirty million dollars, something like that. And he play like he's not gonna. He he will play a max like 130 games. No, I know that's what I'm saying. Last four uh, he years. won't even he'll play a max 100 games. Everyone 40, on Twitter was ripping him. 43, 47. Oh, he wanted like a 130 game season. Yeah. And everyone's ripping him, being like, you don't even play 100 anyway. <laughs> yeah. The last four years combined, he's played he's played 200 games the last four years. Outrageous. The last three years, only 148. So there you go. The last three years, he's played about a, a third of the games. And in those 200 games, only 22 home runs, an average under 250, and an OPS under 760. Not great. Anyways... Yeah, that's a tough contract. Terrible. Still got three years. Long. I bet he retires after that. Probably. Just get your get your money and leave. Uh, if you enjoyed what you listened to, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Gombridge Podcast and Twitter at Gombridge. Don't forget to subscribe to our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Stitcher. And we'll be back next week with episode 147. See ya.